Thank you that you are here, Lord. You invite us. That's the only reason that we can come. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for us. Have your way in us in Jesus' name. Amen. May you be seated. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Yes, we are good. So I was told we are enjoying our peace and quiet courtesy of Ivory Coast. Cannot imagine what would have happened at them won. We are grateful. Amen. As you heard last week, we we are in the Old Testament. Amen. We are busy with the book of Daniel. And as you heard from Bonatala last week, this is what we'll be busy with. And he did, I, I, I concur with him that the book actually can be complex. There are parts which, which are quite complex. And there are some parts which are simple and straightforward. I think this morning I took the coward's way out. I went for the simple and straightforward leaving the the complicated stuff for for the best of us uh especially when you're dealing with issues of prophecies and all of that it can get as complex as as the book of revelations and some people will get very offended if you interpret any of those prophecies wrong they they get very touchy as to how the book actually plays out and I'm glad that I'm not, I'm not so fixated with some of those things. But just to look at where the book, I, I actually got very creative with today's title. I just said the book of Daniel. I hope you don't mind. Yeah, that's, that's as creative as I get. If we just look at where the book is chronologically, I don't know if you can see that. Can you? I can see it. I actually did the slide, so I know where what is. But the book actually happens during the same time as that Second Chronicles, Second Kings, and some of the prophets. If you can't see it, you, I'll give this to you afterwards. So it, it does happen, even though when you open our Bibles, it's way down there, but actually it happens during that same time as Second Chronicles and Second Kings and and so on and so forth. And this is actually worth mentioning when you read the book and as well as other book is this is what you would note is kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. That's 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 actually very profound just to notice that kingdoms actually rise and fall. When we look at kingdoms that are powerful around us. We just think there's no way that that kingdom will fall. They fall. And unless if Jesus comes back in the... Some of those powerful kingdoms will eventually fall. That's just what happens. And when we, we're now looking at this period in the book of Daniel, this is actually when the Babylonians took over. And this is actually not the first time the Babylonians were in power. This is actually referred to as the 
New Babylon or Neo Babylonian. Before this, there was the Assyrians. The Assyrians, not to be confused with Syria, there's Syria and then there's the Assyrians. The Assyrians fell and then the Babylonians took over. The Babylonians fell and then who took over? The Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians fell and who took over? The Greeks. After the Greeks, the Romans. I didn't do history, but I'm just trying to share. So, uh, uh, history was, was not taught to us, but I do find these things fascinating. So after the Greeks, then the Romans, then the Romans fell. And what, was, what is actually fascinating to me is how the Babylonians actually came into power. When the Assyrians were on their way down, there was this gentleman by the name of Seaxeris. He was a Mede. And there was another gentleman by the name of Nebopolizer. Nebopolizer was a Babylonian. They came to form an alliance to fight the Assyrians. And to solidify this alliance, they said, hey, why don't we come to an agreement? Let our children get married. Back then, people were not marrying for love. You were just told you are marrying into that family. And that was it. So Siaxeris' daughter was, the, was Amitis. And Nabopolizer's son was Nebuchadnezzar. You remember the name? Does it ring a bell? Somewhere in the Bible you have read that name. Somewhere just like, okay, here's the name. And Nebuchadnezzar actually came... Before he was king, he started to expand. And if I can have that second map, you can see that. So he started to expand the Babylonian kingdom. And he actually wins some key battles. You'll see on the, you'll see on the map, there's the Battle of Kakamish. I know you're not interested, but just pretend... Just pretend this, just pretend we are talking about Valentine's, just pretend, just pretend we are talking about weaves and, and, and manicure, pedicure, just pretend we are talking about your channel, your YouTube channel with two subscribers, just, okay, the two subscribers part was not necessary, but just pretend we are. We are talking about something interesting. Just nod and, hmm, hmm, that makes sense. So as Nebuchadnezzar is expanding, he goes, you'll see, he starts to go down. He goes into Judah. Judah is under the kingship of Jehoiakim. He lets Jehoiakim know there's a new sheriff in town. Then he goes down to Egypt. You'll see as you're going down, you're going to Egypt to fight the pharaoh of that time, whose name was Neko. He lets Neko know this is, the status quo has changed. As he's busy with that fight, he gets word from home that Nebuchadnezzar, your father, is dead. You come and take over as king. He goes back. As he's going back, you can see the map. He has to go past Judah. He takes Jehoiakim and he takes some of the Jewish nobility, which you probably know, Hananiah. Mishael, Azariah, 
and Daniel. And he takes them back to Babylon. This is where the book of Daniel starts in 605 BC. We are all caught up. Good. Now, the book is actually quite condensed. Is, and what is actually remarkable is this Neo-Babylonian, even though they did not rule for even more than a century, the impact they left was, was very big. And they leave us history. And some of the things that is documented in the Bible is also documented in the history. So you can cross-check if you're interested. And some of the things actually, you, you realize that it's, it's, it's actually decades, even between chapters. So you must be careful when you're reading the book so that you understand this guy follows that guy. Amen. So Nebuchadnezzar becomes the chief in town and he was that guy. I mean, whenever I used to read about him, I, I did not like him. I think like most of you guys did not like him. But the more I read about him, I think I, think I like this guy. Maybe I just have a tendency of liking those kind of people. But I think I, the way he expands his kingdom is not as barbaric as the Assyrians who just killed. He would take from the best of the nations and train them and deploys them. That was his MO. And he actually built Babylon to a superpower of that day. And as he's conquering his... He's expanding and he's infiltrating, teaching people the Babylonian way. What you'll actually now see in the first chapter, he takes these guys, trains them, and they're about to take the test. You remember, and Daniel and his friends set, himself, set themselves apart not to partake or eat like the Babylonians were eating. Their, dead, their diet was different. Chapter 2, he has that dream, you remember? And... This guy was something else. He tells the people, I, have, I had a dream. Tell me the dream and the interpretation. And these guys were like, but no, king, please tell us the dream. We'll tell you the interpretation. He says, if you don't tell me the dream and the interpretation, I will kill you, tearing you limb from limb, and I will go to your house, turn it into a a heap of rubble, and that will be the end of you. And of course, you remember what happened. Daniel comes and interprets the dream. A man of that statue and the kingdoms of this world. Chapter 3, we remember what happened. He, he made that statue of gold where people were supposed to go and worship. You remember that. It's probably maybe the most famous chapter in the book where everybody was supposed to come and worship and these three guys decided we're not doing it. God miraculously saved them from the fire fence. You remember that? And of course the question which actually should be asked, sometimes it's not asked, is where was Daniel? My sources tell me that he had a fight with his wife that morning. Because she maxed out the credit card and he was angry and he decided. Okay, this morning we'll actually look at chapter 4 of the book of Daniel. Are you there, chapter 4? Like I said, the, the Babylonians actually had very good records. And 
they, they kept very good records and some of it we can find. But there is a period which you cannot find in their records. And when you think about it, it's for good reason. This is where we are going to read this morning. It's actually in chapter 4. And just to apologize ahead of time, this is a lot of reading. We are going to read the whole chapter. This is not punishment. Amen. This is not punishment. You, you didn't do anything. I normally say this, um, this sermon is going to be short. This one is not going to be short. And this is, in my opinion, one of the best chapters you can read in, in, in the Bible. Because he actually, this is Nebuchadnezzar's own words. He's actually narrating this and he's writing it to all the regions that he has conquered. And he actually starts at the end of the story. He explains it back. To let us know what actually happened. Are you there in chapter 4? Verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king to all the peoples, nations, and populations of all languages who live in all the earth. May your peace be great. This is the same guy who was throwing people into fiery furnace. Verse 2 says, I am pleased to declare the signs and miracles that the Most High God has done for me. Does not sound like the same guy. Totally different. Verse 3 says, How great are his signs and how mighty are his miracles. When you read it, just like, is this the same guy? This guy, I know I say I like him, but when he, there was this king of Judah, his name was Zedekiah. You remember Zedekiah? Okay, you remember him. He double-crossed Nebuchadnezzar, formed an alliance with Egypt. When Nebuchadnezzar found him, he killed his sons right in front of him. And he took his eyes out. So Zedekiah, the last thing that he saw was his sons getting murdered. This is the guy who is saying, I am pleased to declare the signs of God. So you're reading this and you're thinking, what happened? Like I'm saying, he's starting at the conclusion. He said, what happened to this man? If you if you're in another region where you knew about what this guy used to do, you're picking up this letter and you're thinking, who is this guy? Because the guy that we knew will kill you just for failing to interpret a dream. And he says, he's talking about God. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. Verse 4. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, and you know that you, you, you have authority when you refer to yourself by name. Like I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and happy in my palace. I saw a dream and it startled me. 
and these appearances as I lay on my bed and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. So it, it looks like it was something that was occurring and he saw it, probably tried to dismiss it and it came back again. It says, I gave orders to bring into my presence all the wise men of Babylon so that they may make known to me the interpretation of the dream. The soothsayer priests and the sorcerers of the Chaldeans and the diviners. It's like about all, all those people. I mean, what's a sorcerer? Yeah. And this, this, I related the dream to them. This is different from when he says, tell me the dream and the interpretation. He actually tells them what he saw in the dream. But they could not make its interpretation known to me. Verse 8. But finally Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I related the dream to him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the soothsayer priests, since I know the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no secret baffles you, tell me the visions of my dream, which I have seen along with its interpretation. And actually one of the things that is interesting when you read the whole of the book, there are some dreams which Daniel had which he himself cannot interpret. Could not interpret. And it, it rings true what Joseph tell, tells Pharaoh. God gives the interpretation. Amen. It, it is God. Daniel was just a, the guy there. But one thing that you will read just in these verses before we continue is Nebuchadnezzar, at, at this point, his theology is all messed up. He's talking about the holy gods and the spirit of the gods and the chief of the soothsayers. Daniel does nothing to correct him. I found that interesting. And sometimes, I'm not saying do it. Sometimes when you're dealing with people who are far away from God and they're probably coming in, cut them a little slack. Who knows? I am not saying compromise. There are things that you will see that Daniel never compromises on, but sometimes just cut them a little slack. Daniel just says, okay, carry on. Because I also know when I came to God, my theology was all messed up. You guys were fine. I'm talking about me. My theology was all messed up. I was mixing grace with works. I was trying to make sure that my good deeds weigh, outweigh my bad deeds. That sort of deal. And that happens sometimes when you're coming to God. And it's gods and other gods, especially people who are coming from other religions. That does happen sometimes. Amen? He continues. Verse 10. Now, these were the visions, you know, speaking to, with, with Daniel. These are the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed. I was looking and behold, there was a tree in the middle of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew large and became strong and its height reached to the sky. And it was visible to the end of the whole world and its foliage, its leaves was beautiful and its fruit abundant. And in it was food for all. The animals of the field found shade under it. And the birds of the sky lived in its branches. And all living creatures fed from it. Verse 13. I was looking 
in the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed, behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one descended from heaven. He shouted and spoke as follows. Chop down the tree. Cut it off, cut off its branches, shake off its foliage and scatter its food. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its root in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the, in the new grass of the field. And let him be drenched, drenched with the dew of heaven and let him share with the animals in the grass of the earth. Verse 16, let his mind change from that of a human and let an animal's mind be given to him. Let seven periods of time pass over him. Let, sorry, this sentence is by the decree of the angelic watcher. And the decision is a command of the holy ones. In order that the living may know that the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind. And he grants it to whomever he wishes and sets over it, over it the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, tell me its interpretation since none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make it known, make known to me the interpretation, but you are able because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. So he sort of can see what this mission is all about and he is shook. The king responded and says, said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar replied, my lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries, the tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, whose height reached to the sky and was visible, visible to all the earth, and whose foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which the animals of the field live, and whose branches and the birds of the sky settled. That tree is you. Okay. For you have become great and grown strong, for your majesty has, has become great and reached the sky and your dominion to the end of the earth. And in, in that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven, saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground but with a band of iron and bronze around it. In the new grass of the field, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him share with the animals of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation of king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which has, be, which has come upon my Lord the King, that you will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place be with the animals of the field and you be given grass to eat like cattle 
and be drenched with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time will pass over you until this happens. Until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind. And bestows it on whomever he wishes. And in that it was commanded, leave the stump with, it, with the roots on the tree. Your kingdom will remain as yours after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Therefore, O king, and this is where he weighs it. May my advice be pleasing to you. Wipe away your sin by doing righteousness and your wrongdoings by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Okay, you can take a break. Sure. It was a lot of reading. You are still the. You are still following what's happening. Before we, we, we continue with the, with the rest of, of, of this account, Daniel is very brave. Think about the bravery of... Remember, I, I said he cut him some slack. Here, there's no slack cut. You're standing in front of the most powerful man in the then known world. And you're telling him, that tree that you saw is you. And this is where a lot of people in authority, any kind of authority, this is their downfall. Because they just cannot surround themselves with people who will tell them the truth. He could have been killed for just saying this. And when, when the dream was told, it started, and he says, I wish this applied to somebody else. Not you, but he tells them the truth. And people in power sometimes just cannot handle the truth. That's why you wonder, when, when, sometimes when you look at the decisions people in authority make, and I know you are thinking of somebody else. I'm talking to us. When the decisions are made by people in authority, you, you just ask yourself, did somebody not tell you there is a better way? Did somebody not counsel you? Maybe somebody did. But they were called a hater, an enemy of progress. You are hating on my gifts. Why are you trampling on my anointing? They tried. They probably got rid of those people who would say, this is not your friend, this is you. And Daniel does not beat around the bush. He does not say, you know, we all need to humble ourselves. We, we people, we and the whole kingdom just need to repent. He says, you need to repent. 
there is still such thing called sin. And I know when we talk about it, we it's we tremble and we want to find the words to massage people's feelings. No, what you just try better and find the right company. You know, just change the environment. No, there is something called a sin against God. Just that. And Daniel just speaks to the most powerful person. You, you king. Not, not, the, not the army. The king of the kingdom needs to repent. Like when the prophet Nathan was speaking to Daniel. Like he says, that man that I was telling you about that you think should be killed, that man is you. Amen. And it's, I know it's tough. Sometimes it's just one of those things that we have to stomach it and say, okay, I suppose it is me. Amen. And as we don't know what actually happened, I think maybe Nebuchadnezzar said, thanks, buddy. Uh, okay. I heard you. That was great, hey? Eh? Just let's go back to sleep and we'll talk tomorrow. That was cool. Just I heard what you said, everything word for word. I really appreciate the interpretation. Bye bye. Verse twenty eight. All of this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king began speaking and he was saying, I don't know if there were people around him or he was just, you know how we talk to ourselves. And just, he says, Is this not Babylon the Great? Which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power? For the honor of my majesty. Eh? Just look, look at this. Look at you. Look at what your hands have done. You, you, you are something else. You are a genius. Look. And if you know, just by the side. So when he married his wife, Amitis, she was a maid. So where she was coming from, there were beautiful mountains. When she came to Babylon, it was flat. She got depressed and he built her, you can go and read about this, what is known as the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Very beautiful. And he had to do it because Indo Damast. And he, he, he is not lying. He is not lying. He's not making it up that this is the great Babylon. This is great. Just look at this. You are the envy of your peers. Just look at you started from the bottom line. Now you're here. In a, he did not inherit some of these things, even though his father was, was a great military guy. He, he built this. You are something else. You are the epitome of success. Out of all, you look at all your siblings. 
You, you are the guy. You are the woman. You, you are the girl. You. Verse 31. While the word was still in the king's mouth. He, he probably, I'm not sure if you, maybe you were, you were still going to go on. Look at this. Look at where he conquered. And while he's still talking, while he's on this monologue by himself, just declaring, look, that. And a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, just like you can appreciate maybe some hint of sarcasm, like, oh, king. You, to you it is declared, this is the voice from heaven, sovereignty has been removed from you. And you will be driven away. And you'll notice when you read this chapter, it's almost some of the things are, are repeated about three times. So you will, it's not that the number is anything, it's just for some reason gets repeated three times. You will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with that of animals of the field you will be given grass to eat like cattle and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize until you recognize that the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind and he bestows it on whomever he wishes Immediately the word of the word of the Lord concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled and he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his head grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. I know when you're dealing with like skeptics who don't believe, they'll say, do you actually believe this happened? If this is not allegorical, I believe it happened. I don't know how God changes digestive digestive system to be able to stomach grass and his body to withstand the elements because he was out there in the elements in this period. Again, it just says seven periods, and people say seven years or whatever, how long it was. I believe it actually happened. And there was a warning. Twelve months came, and immediately. The patience of God. Amen. Imagine if you and I were there when Daniel gave the interpretation. We are looking at this time that is passing and nothing is happening to this guy. Who is so proud. And secretly we are praying that let that thing be fulfilled the day after. Like right now, if late, maybe next week, and nothing is happening. Like January, okay. March, okay. June for sure. June, like now, it will. Nothing. You're seeing him at the festive season, having fun, like God. Was that a false prophecy? A warning came, time, but immediately, when that day came, the day did not pass. And this is what, when you read Peter, as he's saying that God, God does not delay. 
God is patient, wishing that no one perishes. Even the wicked people, who we think should be judged immediately, and God is patient with that God, wishing that everybody comes into repentance. And again, sometimes we, when I read this, I think, okay, is God counting every little bit of sin that people are doing? But when you think about it, when you read these accounts, no one gets away with anything. It's, it's not that God is telling the good and the bad, but because he was warned, a warning came to him at the right time. And this is where Daniel said, if my counsel be pleasing to you, you need to repent. Amen? And for God to have given that warning, it was that serious. Verse 34. So he is driven out. He's out there like an animal. Verse 34, he says, by the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. And this is more, more than just looking up. It's recognizing. You are not all that. And my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are of no account. But he does according to his will among the army of heaven, among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can fend off his hand or say to him, what have you done? No one summons God and says, explain this decision that you just made him. Verse 36, at that time, my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the honor of my kingdom, and my state counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. Verse 37, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven. This is how we started the letter. For all his works are true, and his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. And what, what I actually find remarkable is Nebuchadnezzar is learning this firsthand from God. He, did, he didn't go to a class where he was taught. That you know God is sovereign above all and you cannot question him. He, he learned it firsthand. And when we read again this account of humbling ourselves, as I alluded to, we you might think, you know, I wish such and such could have had this message. I wish I wish my friend was here. This is the kind of my sister should have heard this. This is the message she needs. She's... Because on any given day, given an opportunity, we have a list of people who need to humble themselves. 
that list surprisingly does not include us. No ma'am, no sir, not me. No, I am there. And this is these words of Daniel again, just repeat it. He says, let my counsel be pleasing to you. If, if what I'm saying can just find a place to land in your heart. And the Amplified says, break away now from your sins and exhibit repentance by doing what is right. And this is one of, when, when I'm reading this chapter, it's, it's one of those, you're trembling because I don't think I'm exempted from this. I'm talking about me. I don't think I'm exempted from this. There's a reason why you stumble across some of these things. I, I might not think I'm a bad person. I'm not bad. I'm not this guy. Never killed anybody. I haven't built anything which I walked around and said, look, oh, you did great. But every now and then, there's a nudging of, you know, just humble yourself before. Just walk humbly before. You haven't done anything bad. It's just, just a nudging. Just, I am still God in your life. Let me be seen to be God in your life. Let people see you that it's not your talent. And I used to think, when reading this, I used to think, When Nebuchadnezzar is driven out, man, that was a severe punishment. But when you think about it, this is an act of God's mercy. He did not owe him any other chance because he had already explained to him. This is an act of God's kindness, even when he's driven out. Because again, he's given another opportunity to repent. Amen without the destruction of him being a king. It's not that God was against him being a king, but that was getting in the way of him hearing from God. And God needed to speak with him in a way that he can understand. And that position was him being humbled from there to there. And that, in my view, is an act of God's mercy. Amen. And the, again, because he restores the position back to him with surpassing greatness as we learn. He gives him back to him because it was nothing. Yes, he says, I bestow on it on whom I wish I can give it to that person, that person, and no one can say, why are you giving it to that person? As I conclude, just the worship team can come. There is this profound illustration that the prophet Isaiah gives in Isaiah 44. I will not read it. Please go read it. This, in, this is it's, it's sort of comical when you think about it, but when you think deeply, it's actually very amazing and convicting. He says, you're still here? Are you sure? Okay. So this is the prophet Isaiah speaking. He says, you know, a man will plant a tree 
He plants this tree, takes care of it. It receives rain from heaven. He tenders it, and this tree grows. When it's grown, he cuts it, and some of it he makes it for wood to warm himself. Some of it he makes fire to cook food for himself. And some of it, he cuts it into an image or an idol to worship it. And we look, I, I read this and think, who will do that? What, what person in their right mind will take care of something and when it's great, he actually worships it? Until when you think about it deeply. Our positions, our talents, our possessions, our titles, our standing in the community, those things that at some point we actually nurtured. We, they were not that great before, but they're now great. And they actually have become God. Amen. And when you read this story, you think, okay, that can be me. But, you know, sometimes when you look at it, there are those things that we, we have sort of elevated. They've actually kind of replaced God. I'm not saying that God will humble us, but when you read this, you're thinking, God, if that is me, if that is me and some of these things, even the little bit of knowledge that we have acquired at some point, it's sort of elevated. If that is me, Lord, I repent. And again, maybe the highest form of pride is actually thinking we cannot live without God. Where we say, now I have this life figured out. I understand this Jesus of yours that you keep on talking about every Sunday. I get that. I, I'm doing just fine. I think by hearing this message, it's an act of God's mercy. That we can actually come before him and say, God, yeah, I, that's me. I need to humble myself and repent. Amen. Not an attack, right? No, nobody's being attacked. You're, you're still okay. You're great. We just read from Scripture. It wasn't personalized. It was a conversation between family, us, us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. That is always relevant. That is always accurate. That always convicts us, Lord. We pray as... By your spirit, we humble ourselves before you. Knowing that you are God and we're not. Speak to us, Lord. Every area of our lives that where we need to surrender them to you. Thank you so much that you have the grace, the patience to work with us, Lord. To walk with us. That in our everyday walk, we surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.